Hello and welcome to the Symmetry Sessions podcast where we talk about all things healthy, wealthy, and wise. I'm your host, Heather McPaul. Join me for in-depth, down-to-earth, and casual conversations about finding balance. We delve into topics related to mental health, relationships, business, and more with guests from all walks of life. And even though I am a professionally licensed counselor, this is just a show. And the information presented is just for informational, educational purposes only. It's definitely not meant to replace getting professional help from a doctor or a therapist. So please seek that help from a qualified healthcare professional if you need it. And if it is an emergency, please call 911 or other appropriate emergency services. I'm very excited to bring to you a variety of amazing guests and topics. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome to the Symmetry Sessions. Joining us once again is Chelsea McCarty of Reflections Counseling and Wellness. She's back here to talk to us about therapist worth. Welcome, Chelsea. Thanks, Heather. Thanks for having me back. (laughs) Yeah. First time. I couldn't wait to come back. I know. And you volunteered to go into this deep, dark place with me. (laughs) I did. Because it's controversial, I feel like. Um, Absolutely. And I guess the place to start is really by defining the, you know, what we mean by worth. Because, you know, we, we talk to clients all the time about recognizing their own worth. Mm-hmm. And what does that even mean? You know? Yeah. And I find, and Heather, I don't know if you have this experience too, but a lot of people get self-esteem and self-worth crossed or almost mm. think that they're one in the same. And they are two very different things. Esteem is almost your ability of thinking what you can do. And your worth is what it's, it, to me, is in the sense of the the word. Am I worthy of this? How much am I worth? Is this Does this fit my worth? And I think that those two things kind of get. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I think about worth as in what you're actually entitled to. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, when we talk about the general public or, or human beings, I think we're entitled to love, kindness, respect, that kind of thing. Or maybe not respect. I feel like respect is probably earned, but certainly because we exist we are worthy of love yes it's almost like the word I think of too is like value Mm -hmm. is this a value to me am I a value of receiving this I think when we get into the disc and this is kind of a good segue when we get into the word value um the word value holds a lot of connotation in terms of service in terms of what you can do for someone else. And that's a tricky place because general worth should not be dependent on what you can do for someone else. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about therapist worth, we kind of are. Yeah. <laughs> about that. So there's a differentiation here between personal worth and professional worth, I think. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If we can separate it that way. Yeah, and as you're talking, Heather, I'm remembering how much you love language and how important <laughs> language is to you as we have this discussion. It's true. And I don't get hooked on semantics, but I think it's important to differentiate that, you know, as we get into like what people charge for services, we're not saying, oh, it has nothing to do with like being a nice person or a good person, you know. <laughs> 
that's not at all what we're saying. Your personal worth, totally different. Absolutely. Yeah. Versus your professional worth, which really I think goes across any career path, right? Your, your experience, your expertise, your training hold more weight or worth than somebody who is new to their particular field. So I don't think that there's uniqueness to therapy, but I think the difference is our work is very much based on relationships. Mm. So we do bring more of ourselves going back to what you were saying about personal worth. There is a little bit of that being brought to our work different, I think, than other professions. Sure. Uh, There's certainly a a value placed on how likable you are as a therapist, I think, you know, how well you connect with people, which is going to be different for everybody. But Mm To, to kind of play devil's advocate, you can be in this industry for 12 years and not have a certain level of worth, I think. Like, you can be in this industry for 12 years and never learn anything new. That's true, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or never get certified in something or never expand your tool set, which plenty of people do. Yeah, or even taking that a step further, not seeing that in yourself that you've expanded. So if you're expanding on that still for those people who have been in the field longer, when we talk about, you know, fees as like a professional worth, still charging what you charged five or 10 years ago, but you are a more experienced counselor. You are a a better trained counselor in the work that you do. I think just being here isn't enough to... Enough. Yeah. No. So, so let's talk about (laughs) participation trophies, right? Um, So what does charging your worth even mean as as a therapist? You know, because I feel like every podcast that's geared towards clinicians starting their own practice or expanding their practice has at least one fucking episode on charging your worth. And... I find a lot of these episodes irritating because <laughs> I feel like they're trying to sell you something that isn't necessarily realistic. Yes. Yes, I agree. I even had that experience. Um, something came across my email that was intriguing about, you know, how to have a success successful practice of financial success and flexibility, which flexibility is always huge for me. Like I, I value flexibility, but I also have to pay the bills. Right. Right. So I was intrigued by this and I spent an hour and a half (laughs) listening to this podcast and got nothing from it. What I got from it is let me charge outrageous fees that people can't afford so that I can have more flexibility. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we'll get to the ethical issues and the moral issues behind that. But, but, uh, I do find there's a lot of fluff out there. Yes. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've come across a podcast or a a Facebook ad or something. And it says, you know, look at this or, you know, be a part of this and, f- and find out how to create your six figure practice. And I'm mm-hmm. like, why are you making it sound like that's a hard thing to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you just work one day a week? Like, I don't understand this. And I'm not saying that out of, uh, from a egocentric place, but 
I take insurance. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, obviously, I live in New Jersey, and so do you. Th- yep. I think some of this, and we can get into later, like, cost of living and, and sure. how to factor that all in, but they make it sound like it's this big fucking well-kept secret that only they have the tools to, and it's like, it no. <laughs> Yeah, I I agree. And like, I remember when I was opening reflections and the conversations that we had, and I remember that that was one of the early conversations that we had that like, no, this is possible. Like, don't be scared that this isn't yeah. possible. And you don't have to charge an arm and a leg to make you that don't. happen. Exactly. And I am a primarily insurance-based practice. I know you're more of a blend, Heather, but I'm a primarily yeah. insurance-based practice. And I'm meeting my financial goals that I set for myself and some months even exceeding them. Mm-hmm. But I think that that comes from two. And like, Heather, you can probably attest to this too. When you're like a new counselor and you have like your first job, like or even in school, it's like fed to us, like, oh, you don't get in this to make money, like that you're you're not going to make a lot of money. So I think that some of these people who are putting this information out there are kind of capitalizing on that mentality and making it seem like, oh, we have this secret. When the reality is like, you could figure this out yourself or you have- the ability I, I think to do this. all of it's true. I think, no, I mean, yeah, everybody, when you first start out, they tell you, you're not going to get rich doing this work. Like, that's not why we're here. Sure. But these companies or these, um, you know, organizations, whatever you want to call them, podcasting, whatever, coaches, whatever, they make it sound like you can. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe if you do charge an arm and a leg, there will be people that buy that shit. But... <laughs> then we get into the moral and the ethical issues. Yes. I'm not ready to go there yet. Okay. All right. All right. I'll hold tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's just such a loaded area. But I, yeah, I do think that there is a capital. I think there is a manipulation towards therapists who don't know what they don't know. And also to the public to buy into what you're selling. Mm-hmm. It's and, and part of my we're going to be all over the place today. Um, <laughs> part of my issue is that like in the last five, maybe even 10 years, there's been this shift in the counseling or therapy community to almost create us into corporation type of situations. Mm-hmm. Everybody now wants to be a CEO you know, rather than I own a practice, you know, Mm -hmm. and it, it created this mindset of like, I'm big, you know, or I have to be big. And so I chart, but like, listen, you're not Google, calm down. Yeah. And you don't have to be big to meet your financial goals either. No. Yeah. And so I think there's this air of like hubris that started and I don't know where that started or, you know, I don't even think that I was necessarily in the field when that started bubbling up but and I've seen it happen where there is this uh, I don't know what that is something like it turns into yeah like a corporation instead of a like I don't even like using it the term company because that sounds too big but 
Um, well, I think it like it starts to pull away from like going back to what we were saying, like the reasons we got into this field. Like we are helpers. So I think the more that we become like a corporation, we start to lose some of that. Like yeah. even as the as you put it, the CEO, if you have several counselors underneath you how much direct service work are you really doing and maybe for some people that's the goal and that's okay but I think that again like a lot of our work is based off of a relationship and when you start to go like to a more corporate model you start to lose that for lack of a better term that feel that like well because you start turning people into dollar signs and that I don't know if you I talk about him all the time but Simon Sinek wrote a book called Leaders Eat Last. I know. I love him. Um, (laughs) You do. (laughs) But he talks about that that is the downfall of a lot of companies is, um, and not just, you know, if you have employees, but also the people that you're serving or, you know, um, you start to look at them as money. You stop seeing their humanity. Yeah. You know, people don't like that. And especially in our field, we're supposed to be looking at you like human beings because you are, (laughs) you know. Yeah. And I think it's easy when you're kind of buying into some of these programs that we're talking about to, to lose sight of that, to lose sight of like your why. Why did you get into this? Why did you start this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I think, um, impressionable therapists see those dollar signs coming in and they're like, Oh my God. (laughs) Um, But when I think about like, okay, so let's talk about insurance for a second. Um, (laughs) Yep. Here we go. The insurance realm is fucked up. I, I, I think that is, I think everyone can agree. Yeah, yeah. Patient side, provider side. We're it's all struggling up. with that. Yeah. Um, but when I see these um, groups of people um, essentially promoting uh, self-pay people only, no insurance taking, I, I, well, now we're getting to the moral ethical area. I just find that gross. Um, because clearly you're only helping a certain socioeconomic population, yep. mm-hmm. um, which I feel like is unfair because statistically, what do we know about the lower socioeconomic populations? Um, they need us. The people that need us. Yeah. Right. Um, whatever. But in terms of insurance, you know, some, and listen, this is different depending on what state you're in and we're not necessarily allowed to talk about as per our contracts with insurance, we're not allowed to talk about how much they pay. Nope. Even though everybody sees their own EOBs. Um, But I think about when people rage about the lower paying um, insurance companies, you know, Let's say, I'm going to pull a figure out of my butt. Let's say your lowest payer pays you $60 a session. I think about where I came from, and I think about all the shit-ass jobs I've had, and I think about how lucky $60 an hour is, Mm -hmm. you know? 
or, or $60 for 45 minutes, go you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there's something that happens. And I know I, I realize this is not the popular opinion, but I think about how that perspective gets, I don't know, muddled. You know, you lose that perspective of like, oh, this is a decent wage. <laughs> this is good. This is all right. If other people pay me more than that, fantastic. Yeah. If I have a couple self-pay people, fantastic. But I feel like I don't, okay, I don't know that I would classify us up with like attorneys that might get paid like 200 an hour. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So like if 60 is your lowest payer and you only have a couple of those or, you know, handful of those insurance people in your caseload, I just feel like there's a gratitude of like, not everybody gets paid $60 an hour. (laughs) It's true. And I think like the struggle with that is in our field in particular, especially when we're talking about um, counselors that accept private pay clients, like it's out there. So like to back to your point, like we are not by contract allowed to discuss with each other what our contracted rates are with insurance companies, but our private pay rates, they're out there on our websites. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that if there was less of that, I think there would be more of the mentality that you're talking about, Heather, of like, wow, this is a good rate. But when you see somebody charging 130 $150 for a counseling hour, it's like, shit, like, (laughs) this is a low rate. And yeah. That also brings up a good point because some of us put our shit on our our, web page. Some people don't, and that shit's Mm -hmm. a surprise. Um, I was talking... Then brings us back to that moral and ethical. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was talking to a friend of mine. She lives in New York. Obviously, $60 an hour would be harder with the cost of living. I mean, just all around, just to own a house in New York. Uh, my friend just bought a house. Astronomical. <laughs> Holy crap. I can only imagine. Um, well, yeah. And it also depends on like what county do you live in? Because mm-hmm. it, unlike in New Jersey, I think New Jersey is kind of, well, I guess the closer you live to the city, the more expensive it is. But, you know, say Westchester County in New York is a very um, expensive place to live. And uh, and that's where I grew up. And um, so she was telling me like, you know, here's what people around here charge out of pocket. And I'm like, holy shit. But again, you have to take into consideration the cost of living. living. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we need to be Buddhist monks and only take what we can get. I think there is a level of like, well, you know, I am working hard and I am doing all this extra training and filling my brain with how to be a better whatever I am. Um, and that does, that should add up to my monetary value of, you know, what I charge for my sessions and also give me a quality of life. And I'm not saying like quality of life, like <laughs> I'm driving a Benz and wearing Gucci. I'm not talking about that. And if that's the lifestyle that you want as a therapist you might want to rethink that one yeah (laughs) but yeah I get what you're saying a lifestyle that you can be comfortable with Mm -hmm. yeah and I think you don't have to charge a ridiculous amount of money um to live comfortably in this field yeah 
Yeah, I agree. And I think it's like, it's such like a, a parallel to what we teach our clients about balance. It's like us striking that balance. Like, what do I really think that my my skill set, my expertise, what I'm bringing to the table is worth? And then what does the demographics of where I'm working look like? And how mm-hmm. do I find those two to match without without blocking out people that need help and without me, you know, um, taking less than what I'm, what I'm willing to take. Yeah. I, I certainly think that, you know, one of the things that we talked about and I do with my coaching people is do some research about what's going on. You're not going to be able to charge, let's say Medford prices in, you know, Gloucester County, you know, Glassboro, Woodbury, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's just not going to work. And people will only go so far to go to therapy. Yeah. Agreed. I think, go ahead. No, I was just going to say there are certainly more people that need help than us that are available to help them, but there's still options available to people. So I agree with you. I don't think people will stretch their dollar and I don't think people will will go too far either. Um, And they shouldn't have to, although telehealth has kind of been an interesting addition in kind of looking at these concepts of, you know, um, because the other thing to consider is like, okay, quality of life, right? Um, you also have to consider if you're a business owner, your overhead and things like that. But I don't think it's right for me to work less and expect a client to pay more um, because I don't feel like working more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm not going to rise, raise my price because I don't feel like working. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like recently I went back to my old hours because Christmas time is coming. There's a lot of stuff we're doing around here and investments we want to make. So yeah, I need more money, but I'm not going to up my charge because I don't feel like adding a few more clients to my caseload. Your caseload. And that's like the beauty of our work and the the beauty of being in private practice is that level of flexibility, whether adding more because you want to or you need to or dialing back because you need to. Right. Um, And I think that there's value in that too. That's not monetary value, but that's quality of life value. That's right. And I, it, obviously it's very important for me to have time off and I don't think I have to hurt myself to find that balance between having the income that I want at a decent rate that speaks to people and also take time off and feed myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I hate going to the grocery store more than anything. I hate the hustle and bustle. I hate the long lines. I hate trying to find parking. So I use Instacart to save myself that trip to the market. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as an hour. They connect me with a personal shopper in my area to shop and deliver groceries from my favorite stores. They hand select my favorite products. They highlight deals to help me save money and they suggest new products they think I might like. They pick the freshest produce and they even keep my eggs safe too. So right now, listeners, you can get free delivery on your first order over $35 if you follow the link in the show notes. Follow the link in the show notes. That lets Instacart know we sent you and helps support the show. 
So save yourself that trip. Let Instacart handle it while you spend your energy on things you really want to be doing. All right, let's talk about, we can go back to insurance at some point, but the value of services. Okay. Okay, what in the fuck does that mean? Like, (laughs) (laughs) when we... When we have a price, when we put a, a monetary value, you know, a price on our, our services, what are we really talking about here? Yeah. So for me, I think, or, or how I keep with pricing, maybe that's a better way, is looking at what is going on in my area. So like we talked about, like a little market research of what is cost of living like in, in your area. And then also looking at how much time have I spent in the field? What kind of um, specializations do I have? What kind of specific training do I have? And then that was how I developed for me. Okay, here's my here's my worth as a therapist. And then yeah. assigning a dollar amount to that. Yeah. So there's so many different factors that go into this. And I remember somebody saying like, oh, well, you have to consider experience. And my initial response is, but what kind? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say yes and no. Like if you have 10 years experience working with people with substance use disorders and now you want to work with people with bipolar disorder, like, okay, well, you have that time in, but that's not really necessarily doesn't translate. translate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And now here is where I get on my soapbox. <laughs> Oftentimes people in my caseload will say, I need help finding a, a relationship therapist, or I need help finding a therapist for my husband or my kids. Can you help me do that? And I'm, I'm happy to do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm also super irritated when, not with the client, obviously, but yeah. when I go on, for instance, yesterday I was writing a blog on helping people understand all these fucking acronyms that therapists <laughs> like to use, right? And what does that mean? Because that changes everything mm-hmm. about the quality or the type of care you're going to get. Okay, putting that aside. I literally, put, I just put in on psychology today, I put in the zip code in which I practice that um, in West Deptford. The first couple people, very good. You know, they, mm-hmm. they said, this is what I do. Very simple, very succinct, you know. The third person on the list, and I'm not even shitting you when I say this, and this is like totally common on psychology today. This woman, now everybody's going to Google it, (laughs) but honestly, if you keep going down the list, you will find very similar shit. This person had 21 approaches, theoretical orientations listed. Um, I call bullshit. Many of these things that she listed actually contradict each other, so that's interesting. If your if your theoretical approach, if your theoretical orientation dictates the way that you perform therapy, we'll say perform, um, mm-hmm. but also live your own life, um, you have an identity crisis if you're picking twenty one <laughs> approaches. That's how do you conceptualize things? Do you just pick out of a hat? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> okay that's not even I mean that's horrible but then then she has 31 issues listed everything from psychotic 
disorders to mood disorders to personality disorders, TBI, you fucking name it. This person has it listed. Yeah. When we're looking at what somebody's worth and we're looking at experience to your point, how the fuck could you be good at any of these things in all of these ways? Right. We, I don't, I don't know if people realize this, but clinicians spend days and hours and hours learning approaches, Mm -hmm. learning tools, focusing in on specific issues that they notice in counseling that they want to gear their practice towards. There's no way that you are, with 21 approaches and 31 issues, that you're amazing at all this shit. And so when we talk about charging for what you're worth, uh, I think you might want to scale down. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of one of those word problems in elementary school. You have three pairs of jeans <laughs> and four tops. How many different outfits can you make? <laughs> <laughs> but you bring up, and jokes aside, you bring up an excellent point, Heather, because the average person isn't going to look at it with the eyes that you or I are looking at. They're going to be like, yeah. oh, wow, this person really knows a lot and is well-versed, where you and I are like, Eek. No way. And to me, I like, there's like a, a a little bit of compassion for this person too, is like, it, does this person come from like a scarcity mindset? <laughs> Absolutely. That's what <laughs> like, that tells me. I need to, I need to put everything out there so that I can get clients. And that again, goes back to the mentality we were talking about with like, you can't make money and like, this is, you're going to have to work really hard and here's how you do this. Right. So, but it's, it's a little bit scary for the average person who's just popping on psychology today and putting their zip code in and looking for a therapist. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, part of me is like, if you really were trained in all of these approaches, you would know that you're full of shit. Like you would know that your profile is full of shit mm-hmm. or you're hoping a client doesn't know you're full of shit. Yeah. And that really bothers me to think. Yeah. Like that's an icky feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we should be having these conversations, not just amongst us as therapists, but for lay people to understand because, and I do teach people who I'm helping to look for other clinicians, these things, because, you know, there's all this like, oh, should I niche or should I not? And the thing is, I think you should, because when it comes to having a, general practice, if somebody has a really specific issue, and most of the time they do, how good can you be at helping them with that if you just have a general sense of all the things? And when we're talking about how to put a price on your experience, your training, all of that, also I just find it confusing that you would just take random trainings just to fill your credits for licensure. Yeah, you know what I'm going to do today? Yeah. I'm going to take a thing on uh, uh, eating disorders. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Like, what? If Unless that's what you do, why are you wasting your time? Yeah, which is funny because I think you and I think slightly different about this. And I remember when you were, like, coaching me with opening reflections, you were you were saying, like, it is important to have a niche. It's important. And I, I, I do agree with that to a sense. Like, I think that there's, like, an area that, like – 
it's important to be very skilled in, very educated in, or like, and for me, it's like areas that of like clients I like working with or issues I like working with. But I also think there's value to having like a little bit of a general practice too. Or like, I think there's value for general practitioners. Because if you think about it, like if you have somebody coming in with, you know, unipolar depression, and that's not really something you work with. Like if everybody has like a specific niche, to me, that's more of like a generalist like I'm going to send this to somebody, like a CBT therapist, right? That can treat anxiety and depression and <laughs> oh, your face right now. <laughs> but then I conceptualize it like physical health, right? Like I there is a place point. for like general physicians, right? And then specialists. But also, like you're not going to go to a podiatrist for a cardiac issue. You're but not yes. going to go to a generalist. And here's the thing. PTSD. A lot of times because of the scarcity mindset that is run rampant, runs rampant through our community, a generalist isn't going to, I'm not saying all the time, right? I'm generalizing here, but a lot of times they don't say, oh, you know what? I don't have enough training in this area. I'm going to send you to somebody who does. Well, there's the problem, Heather. There's, there's the problem. And I would consider myself, I, th- I would say I have a couple areas of expertise, but I, th- I would consider myself a generalist. But in this mindset, right, like I really know I like to work with people who have childhood trauma. ACOA trauma syndrome is like my bread and butter, OCD. But occasionally if somebody comes through and they have an issue that I'm like, I know I can treat is an easy issue or a little bit different, I like mixing it up a little bit. But again, I am the type of therapist that will say, listen, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now. It seems like this is outside of my scope. Let's talk about right. getting you with somebody more specific. So I yeah. think there's the there's the caveat, right? And, and how do you think that, that you're able to do that and some people aren't? You've stumped me. Because for me, it's like, it's so natural. And like, I think that that's the other side of worth too. Like, I don't want to be an imposter and pretend that I know what I'm doing when I don't. And I think that there's, I think there's power in not being a bullshitter. Like, there's power in saying like, I don't know the answer to that or power in like- And that's okay. Yeah. And being okay But also having confidence. It's about confidence, number one, in your own abilities, but also the confidence that just because you've, you know, recognized that this person has needs that you can't help with, that you're not going to go broke. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Even in an insurance-based practice, I feel like- People, a lot of this charge what you're worth fluff is actually based on a scarcity mindset. Like you said, people are afraid when they're starting on their own. I have to take all the things. I have to do all the things. I have to be all the things. And I have to charge a lot for it because I might go hungry. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe that's what it is, Heather. Like to answer your question, maybe it's like goes back to that. Not only, right. But like that money mindset, like you know, my belief is that there's a place for all of us at the table. And like you and I are, I think are a good example in our professional relationship where I've worked with people and said, I think this person is a better fit for you. You've sent people my way. Like it works both ways. And I think when you operate from a scarcity mindset, you're afraid that if I let this one go, will someone else come in? That's going to, it's going to fill that spot. Yeah. I also, that's a good point. Because, and, and not just is somebody going to fill my spot, but there is also this weird culture, and I don't know if this is ever, everywhere, or, and I'd be interested to hear what people have to say, but or just around here, where people get very territorial. Mm. 
And um, I don't really understand this mentality. This is going to sound totally fucked up, but there's a few businesses in this world that will never go out of business. You know, mm-hmm. funeral homes, <laughs> therapists. You know what I mean? Like, then that sounds awful, but it's true. There's always going to be somebody who needs help in the mental health area. There's always going to be somebody who needs help. We live in a very stressed out world. Yeah. You know, there's enough people to go around. More than You enough. don't need to get weird about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. People are always going to be hurting. Yeah, and, and we're here, but at the same time, because there's so many people in the world hurting, shouldn't we make ourselves a little bit more available? Meaning, taking insurance helps us be more accessible to people who need care. People pay a lot of money for their insurance. They want to use it. I don't understand, let's get into the moral ethical area. Okay. I don't think it's ethical or a moral thing to do to not take any insurance. I get it. You want to make money. That's great. But like, we're here to help people. So you only want to help rich people? What does that say? I mean, it's true. And listen, there's always room for improvement. The the insurance (laughs) rates... The insurance rates are okay, though. Like, sometimes I'll do the math and I'll be like, for this private pay client, after the fees I pay on processing their credit card, it, it's a it's a wash, you know? So I think that, like, back to your, what you were saying about, like, $60 an hour, like, that's a lot of money for some people to make. Mm-hmm. That there's, there's nothing wrong with taking insurance, and insurance isn't as bad as it once was. And I- It's not, I, yeah. And it's acceptable in my eyes to have that blend, to like Mm -hmm. have private pay clients, especially when you have a niche, especially when you have a specialized skill. Um, But also like, let's not block out people that need help and that pay a lot of money for their benefits. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And especially given that money is a, is a a stressful thing for people. I Mm -hmm. often say when, Occasionally, you have a client, and they uh, either lose their insurance, their insurance changes, and it turns out to be something that you don't have or you don't take. I always say to people, hey, I'm not here to be a financial burden on top of all the other shit you're going through. Mm-hmm. You might want to consider seeing someone who's in network. I can help you find that person. And I think if you go about that the right way, it doesn't have to feel bad. To, no, to either person. It doesn't have to feel bad. And I think when we keep in mind that our job is to care for people, even if we're not the ones that that are caring for them or providing the therapy for referring them out, I think that speaks volumes too. I don't know how many people I hear say like, even if I can't take them on for whatever reason, thank you for getting back to me. Right. Or they'll remember us, right? Like if somebody else needs a counselor or if something changes. So I think there's value in in that too. Like, like it's okay if it's not with you, but it may circle back at some point by caring for that person well and referring them to somebody else. Right. Because my, my intent should be that you get help somewhere. Mm -hmm. I don't care where, just, yes, I hope find what you're looking for. Yeah. I might not be it. That's okay. Mm -hmm. You know? And also, you know, like, I just, it feels... It just feels bad to me to think about people totally ignoring 
the humanity here mm-hmm. and and the and the inhuman suffering that we're seeing. You don't have to take all the fucking insurances. That seems like a lot to have to fucking pay attention to anyway. But that brings up another thing. Hold on, let me not lose my thought again. Okay. <laughs> um but I think it's an obligation for somebody and you and I we're counselors. We're mm-hmm. not even social workers. Mm-hmm. Social workers are brought up with the idea. You know, I brought up, but you know what I mean. <laughs> they're they're trained, yeah, trained to have a sense of social obligation. You know what mm-hmm. I mean, like. And so, you know, maybe partly that's something that gets lost in that counselors are not given that social piece of it. So maybe that's what's missing here that people are forgetting that these are fucking people you know <laughs> and they need help did that make sense it does make sense and i think i'm going to take a step further too even with the insurance and taking insurance is that lpcs which both you and i are lpcs are not as respected as no. social workers from those payers you know, yeah, we can't take Medicare. We can't even take Medicare. We're blocked yeah. out from taking certain. So I wonder too, is that part of the fight, right? Is that part of the private pay fight? Like I'm, well, I'm not going to get. Yeah, same but this that hard, fight is, so. is we're fighting the wrong person. Yeah. You're, you're punishing the client. We need to fix the system. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that's how I see it. And again, I know this is maybe not the popular opinion. And, and I think the way that I grew up, I didn't grow up with money. So I think there's a different level of respect for money that I have. Maybe. I don't know. Um, that I don't take it for granted. And I also have a sensitivity towards people who don't have any. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I like... It- my biggest thing is this things have to sit well for me (laughs) so like that that ethical and like moral compass that I have is like I mean sometimes I say to myself oh I'm not a a good business person for making this decision but Mm -hmm. I do I have a heart for those who are going through pain and suffering yeah so let's talk about the other things that people equate in that equation of how they want to price their services Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things you hear is time. My time is valuable. Fuck yeah, it is. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right? But then you hear about clinicians. <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier. You hear about clinicians saying, well, we do so much more than the hour that we're sitting with you. And that's true to a point. Sure. These days, it doesn't actually have to be that time consuming. Sure, I maybe spend one to two hours doing my notes every week. Mostly it takes me that long because I'm probably watching TV while I do it. But um, a lo- even that is like drop-down menus. I've crafted that in my EHR to be super simple and not time-consuming. Let's say we have to do court papers or summaries for other practitioners or um, services. Okay, yeah, that takes... But like... You can make templates for that. You can, um, yeah, you fill out disability paperwork. Okay, what does that take you? Like an hour, maybe less, 45 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever. I think that there's this exaggeration of time. And listen, some people do handwritten notes and all of that manual labor shit. 
But here's my thing is like, you don't have to do it that way anymore. You're choosing to do it that way. Does that mean the client has to pay more because you're choosing not to get with the fucking times? (laughs) For instance, I I know somebody who does their billing manually. They have an EHR, but they do their billing manually. Manually type that shit in, send it, check EOBs, doing a lot of like checking back and forth. checks and balances. Mm -hmm. It's so time consuming. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why are you doing it that way? Billing is a click of a button for me. I don't have to think about that shit. And when they magically come in and show up in my bank account, I cross it off the list and it reflects in my e-chart automatically. Why are you making more work for yourself? And a lot of the answers to that are like, well, I don't want to learn something new, but that's on you. Okay. Or, um, that costs money. Listen, I'm willing to pay a little extra out of my shit so that I don't have to worry about this. And that is how sometimes we create that peace of mind, that self that, you know, that I'm worth not having to do this much without putting it on the client to pay for it. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like the notes that we have to do, that's not, that's not on the client. Like that's on us. Like that's our requirement versus like you're saying like disability paperwork or some kind of coordination with, with another entity. Like that is for the client, but like agreed. And I think not only it comes from scarcity of, I don't want to have to pay for that or how much is this going to cost me? But I think it comes from fear of doing things differently. Again, like we're, yeah, when we're brought up as counselors, right, there's so much about like, you don't want to lose your license. You don't want to do this. So even with documentation, most of us have probably been taught to over document. And the Mm -hmm. idea of what you're saying of creating a note template where there's check boxes, well, what if I get audited? What if something happens? Well, there's definitely a box where I write a little summary thing, but like for the most part, I'm not having to detail out every. Yes. You're not doing a detail, like adapt soap note. Right. Yeah. Right. But I think that there's, there's fear in that. And maybe that's where some of our continuing ed needs to be that like, this is, and I see that out there sometimes, but here's, here are better ways to streamline or the, this education of here's how to make a six figure practice. Like, let's talk about streamlining some of these things so that people can have more time or can have the quality of life that they want having a private practice or can have more time to see clients. Yeah, I just think that not raising your fee to outrageous. Right, it should be your job to. I mean, isn't it our job? Uh, you know, we're supposed to be kind of up, uh, you know, up to date in the world so that we can meet our clients where we are or where they are. Um, I think it's also helpful to like move with the times that this industry is always evolving why are people still stuck you know people want to save money oh what's the cheapest this what's the cheapest that like what is that going to put a couple cents back in your wallet (laughs) i don't understand that as opposed to you know hey i'm not spending my entire weekend doing this bullshit and listen Mm -hmm. let's say somebody's like, oh, well, we need you to do court shit, you know. Um, That's a whole nother fee and a whole nother story. That's a whole separate issue that we already have a separate, or you should have a separate fee for. And so that's not even what we're talking about here. We're talking just 
the day-to-day extra paperwork mm-hmm. or just like answering an email like how long does that, that happen around the session that aren't happening in the session but are part right. of the session mm-hmm. right I think people get this whole like well I'm not just working from this to this I'm pretty much on call all the time and I'm like no you shouldn't be mm-hmm. um so I just think that a lot of what people are using to um qualify their astronomical prices are just excuses mm-hmm. I don't buy it I don't buy it miss I have 21 approaches and 31 <laughs> issues not buying it yeah yeah that's a scary one and the other thing is worth isn't consistent right so it's it, and, and we're not talking about self-worth here we're, we're definitely talking about professional stuff and like I said like okay let's say you work with families of addicts well I hope that you continue to you know that's how you're spending your energy when it comes to doing extra trainings or you know adding a tool to your toolbox that helps you be better in that area Mm -hmm. because that's what I do I don't want to take a training on fucking I don't know sleep or something (laughs) like I want to take trainings on the four areas that I put a lot of my energy into um, so that I know that when I price my stuff, I am saying I'm worth this price because I'm good at this. Yeah. Because I know a lot about that. And then I start thinking about language too. Like if you consider yourself to be an expert in this Uh area, right, then there's, there's worth Sure. Financially tied. But you can only like, be oh, an expert. Training. Like Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> but you can only be an expert if that's where all of your fucking energy goes. And that's mm-hmm. all you focus on. Like Karen Kleiman, international expert on postpartum yes. depression, written a million You're books. An expert. That's all she does. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She's amazing in the area. You pay those prices because she knows what the fuck she's talking about because that she and that's what she's shown the world. Mm-hmm. The the twenty one approaches thirty one issues girl, not gonna get away with that price for that. Mm-mm. No way. Mm-hmm. Now going back to what I said about the other two people, like ahead of her on the list. Yeah, what did theirs look like? One approach, maybe a couple, few issues. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. And when I had psychology today, which I don't anymore, but when I had it, I listed, you know, those four areas and two, now, those two approaches. Now, I guess, like, somebody could be eclectic, right? And what that means is they pull a little from a different, from a few different approaches, but you would hope that those things make sense together and not conflict. Otherwise, you're full of shit. Well, and I think most clinicians too probably have like a primary, primary theory that they follow, and then they're like you would just have like you're to. saying, like there are certain times where you pull other things, right? Yeah, and they have to make sense, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I was looking at somebody, and they were like, the, actually, this lady, the twenty-one approaches thirty-one. Okay, she said she does IFS, internal family systems, and also. Um, solution-based brief therapy and I was like no (laughs) those things are in direct conflict of one another exactly 
So what do you just look at the client? You're like, okay, I'm going to do like your theory is how you see the world. I hope how you practice your own way of living and and behaving and thinking and whatever. Um, So that is just all I could think of is like, I think you're confused. I think you don't actually know what you're talking about. And that's not worth $150 to me. Mm -mm. Actually, we're talking New Jersey prices again, because that would be super cheap for like New York. For like New York. Well, and again, I have this like twinge of like fear for this lay person that's like, oh, okay, I think this could work for me. And like, again, going back to that ethical piece of like, if you are not, this is people's mental health. Like if you're, if you are not trained to treat that, like you could do more harm than good. I think it is, I, it does because I, I would love to see if, if we could quantify the turnover rate with people like that, or the amount of clients who don't go back to therapy because it didn't work. Yeah. And it probably wasn't that therapy doesn't work. It's probably that this confusion around how to do therapy didn't work. Mm -hmm. She probably has plenty of clients. In fact, I actually think it said that she wasn't taking any new clients on her thing. But again, it's because people don't know you know, like they don't understand really what they're getting and they don't have great expectations or, or knowledgeable expectations of what therapy is supposed to be. So again, it would be interesting to see, you know, how many of those people actually get what they need from a service person like that, you know? Yeah. And I mean, we could go like layer beyond layer, Heather, like then people have a, a, that's our first time in therapy. Then they have a bad taste in their mouth about therapy. Therapy doesn't work. It, yeah. 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 I got a whole um, blog that'll come out, I think December 16th or December 17th on Symmetry's Facebook and webpage, um, all about how to understand those different acronyms that tell us exactly what kind of therapy you do and how different they are. And they're not for everyone. And so having that understanding makes, it helps you at least make a better choice yeah. um, in the therapist that, and make a choice also, do I really want to pay for that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Is that worth it to me? Is what I'm going to receive worth it to me? And I know I used this analogy earlier about physical health, but even within mental health, it's like looking at, at as a body system, right? Like there are different types of mental health issues and certain types of therapy that match really well with that. So mm-hmm. it's important to understand those things. So I appreciate that that you're putting that out there. Yeah, because people just read the profile, which is a bunch of fluff up your butt. Mm-hmm. They all sound the same. It's a, <laughs> it's a bit nauseating, you know. And then they're like, okay, well, she sounds nice, <laughs> you know, or he sounds nice. Yeah, which and, is part uh, of it. But you want somebody that you feel that you can connect with but that also is skilled and is going to help you get to where you want to go. Both of those parts are important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, honestly, most of the time in a lot of these approaches, you can't even say that you're that kind of therapist unless you've done the institutions level one, whatever the fuck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times when people list these 21 approaches on their, they're, they're seriously full of shit because did you even go to the training? Like the institutions training? Have you ever been to any of the, you know, offshoot trainings? Because again, if you did, you you would realize that that's impossible. 
for you to list it that way. This, yeah. And again, that language is important. I remember my clinical supervisor saying, you know, it's important. Like I took a D, a, an extensive DBT training and she said, you can say you're DBT informed, but you don't want to say you're an expert or DBT trained after one yeah. training. And that was like so valuable and has stuck with me in the way that I, you know, write some of those because I am on psychology today, the way I write some of those or even website uh, copies. It's important. It And some people may not even realize that they're being like fraudulent in that way. I hope that they don't because otherwise that feels very manipulative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope that somebody gets a hold of this and then changes their fucking profile. <laughs> I'm looking at you 21 approaches. Um, <laughs> Yes. So obviously we want to set our prices to run a successful business, you know, be able to pay for what surrounds that, but also have a livable wage. I just think that when people are like, charge your worth, charge your worth, that people really think they something. And I don't know that they really are, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And that's such vague language too. It like almost gives like the green light to just choose a random price that you it almost it almost sets the tone for like what do you want to make versus really what what's realistic what you have to offer and what's realistic right. mm-hmm. because you know in new jersey i think if you're a master's level therapist and you're charging 250 dollars, like that's ridiculous and you and i've had conversations about this we've seen this oh yeah and i'm just like well you better be a fucking expert for that in New Jersey, in South New Jersey. You yeah. better be a fucking expert. Cause that yeah. shit's insane. That's like PhD level pricing. It is. That's, you know, and that's another thing. Obviously we're talking about master's level therapists in South Jersey, um, doctorates, whole nother area, PhDs, PsyDs, whole nother area because they have a level of education and education does come into play. Absolutely. You know, so they can charge m- more because they have more education. Additionally, continuing education is con- is extra education that factors in there too. And I'm not just talking about, you know, oh, I have to do my one credit of opiate whatever, you know, like, and I don't do anything with that because I'm not a substance use person. I'm talking about things that actually inform the way that you're treating your particular clients Mm -hmm. that to me is a big big part of knowing your worth and how to price things appropriately absolutely anything else you want to add this was a good conversation we were like very passionate all over the place (laughs) (laughs) yep did we cover the Hopefully we have the wheels turning, you know, mm. I know our wheels are turning. Hopefully we're, we're kind of turning the wheels here. Well, we're supposed to be teaching people about balance. I don't think business is any different financially, time management wise. I think there has to be a balance between recognizing, you know, what your worth is in terms of what you bring to the table and, and how skilled you are and you know living a quality of life and I don't know yeah I guess I would I would say too like 
this value and this worth in, in thinking of what your pricing is and all of that. Also think about what the other things that private practice give you that enrich your life too. And then it's not just financial. And I was, I had like a, another thought, Heather, when we were talking about the insurance companies and how, but you know, by charging more clients, we're not going after the right person. I think you actually shared it with me, but John Oliver had mm-hmm. a segment about the mental health crisis. And there was a big block about insurance companies and people not understanding that clinicians do receive much less than other medical providers from insurance companies too. They do. And so, you know, there is this fight to get more for that. And, and, you know, obviously that's a political, that could be a political oriented discussion, but um, still at the same time, I think that it is not as bad as it used to be. Agreed. Um, and obviously, you get to choose who you want to take insurance from. If they really pay crap and you're like, that's not going to work for me, then don't fucking take them. But there's plenty of other insurance companies that pay pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that probably aren't very far from what you would put as your out-of-pocket rate. rate anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, but the other thing to consider is that, and and just so lay people know, Let's say we charge $130 a session. Your therapist doesn't actually walk away with $130 an hour. We're not actually making $130 an hour. So if, let's say we do get paid $60 an hour from insurance, we're not actually walking away with $60 because 20 to 30% of that, depending on where you are and you know where you live, has to go to taxes. So that is something on the other side to consider when we are thinking about our worth, but like, Again, what I pay in taxes is not my client's job to like foot the bill. Foot the bill, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I get it why people are saying, well, $60, you know, that's really low because I'm only getting what, like $40 out of that? Okay. But the way that I see it is like if I take a self-pay person every other week and an insurance person every week, it pay- it that's it evens out. Yeah. You don't know that you're always going to get somebody paying out of pocket once come every day or not every day, but every week, yeah, every week. Yeah. Well, and I think when you begin to scrutinize it that deeply too, that maybe, maybe you are more money minded than care minded and going back to what you said, if you want to be driving a Benz and wearing Gucci, that this may not be the right profession for you. Yeah. I just don't think so. Yeah. But anyway, thank you for having this yeah. discussion with me. Because for having me back. Yeah. I'm totally tired of hearing people um, blow smoke up other people's asses about what this is um, when it's really not that hard. And also, like, I guess it just depends what you want out of this. But yeah, I really would hope that it would be to help other people. Which is really like the first question you should be asking. And like, I know Heather, you encourage your coaching clients, like the first question to ask yourself if you're going to take this venture, what's your why? Yeah. Yeah. What's your why? Mm -hmm. Simon Sinek on there too. (laughs) Lots to do in the show notes today. (laughs) Um. So, yeah. So thank you for joining me. And, and I'm, I can't wait to see if we have any comments on this one. Normally, <laughs> nobody says anything, but this is a hot, controversial topic, I feel like. Yeah. 
So it'll be interesting to see if anybody responds. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much. And of course, you're always welcome to come back. Thanks, Heather. It's always thank a good time. You. Good conversation. Thanks. And just a quick announcement for our listeners, we will not have a January episode since we're taking time off for the holidays, but we will see you back in February. Be sure to revisit all the past episodes and uh, we'll see you next year. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in connecting with Heather or the guest today, please see the show notes for that info. If you'd like to be a guest on the Symmetry Sessions, the link to send us your request is also in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, buy me a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com slash symmetry sesh. You can make a small donation to help keep the episodes coming. Better yet, become a member and get access to exclusive content, behind the scenes footage, and sneak peeks into our episodes before they launch. Don't miss an episode. The Symmetry Sessions launches every first Friday of the month, so make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.